love the beautiful worship that God's just keeping the worship right now happening. Wow. I just feel the presence of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Lord. Philippians in chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, uh, you can use your phones. Just open up a web browser and type in Phil 4 colon 6 to 9. It'll pop up for you in your browser. So if you can find in your Bibles and read with me. I decided to go with the New King James Version today because I wanted to focus on a key word that is often missed and we struggle with. We struggle with this. It's a real thing in the church. All the churches around the world, we struggle. And I really felt the Lord wanted me to preach on this. I wanted to preach a series on prayer. And I will be touching on prayer this morning, but uh, there's an aspect of it and why we need to pray. Prayer is so powerful. And... uh, while you're turning there, Philippians 4, 6 to 9, I want to let you know we have lots of prayer meetings in the church. Uh, we meet online on Tuesday morning at 630. Uh, it just goes for half an hour. And Thursday morning at 630, we use Facebook Messenger for that. So you have to join. And to do that, make me a friend and ask me to, uh, to invite you to that group and you can join. We also have a face-to-face meeting where we do prayer. And that's on a Friday night. Uh, Ransford, our brother over here, leads that. When you've got an African leading prayer, watch out. You need seatbelts. This man is powerful in the Lord, and you need to come and check it out. Now, we're not starting till March because he's got a project on at the moment. He's also a workplace health and safety officer, and uh, he's just doing some amazing things that God's been blessing him. But March, that will start. Also, Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Come here. Don't, don't come at 9. Come at 5 minutes before, and we pray up a storm. You ready to read? Okay, so uh, the guy that is building for us, his wife has COVID, so he can't come in this week, but the fire sprinkler guys will. So God's timing is perfect. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something you have never done before at Live City Church. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we read this passage of Scripture. I know, right? We are going to honor the Word of God. We're going to add value to it like we've never had before because this Word has power to change your life, and it will change your world. So I want you to follow with me. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If we all read in our version, it's going to be crazy. But I want you to follow with me. If you have the New King James Version, I want you to read aloud with me. Let's read together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things in Jesus name father in the presence of the living God we lift up our hearts before you we lift up our soul we lift up our spirit and we ask that these words would come alive in our midst we pray you'll establish this word and that you will change our lives for the glory of God set captives free Lord God break cycles and I pray bless your people in Jesus name all God's people said 
Amen. You may find your seats in the presence of the Lord. God bless you. Thanks, team. It was so precious. I wanted to preach this word this morning. I felt the Lord wanted me to deliver it. And if you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is Bringing Peace to Your Storm. I want to encourage you, if you don't normally take notes, it's very important and it will solidify the word in your spirit. See, what happens is you come to church, you are moved. You think, wow, that, that, is, that is a word of God. That's fantastic. And you don't write it down. And then later on, even that afternoon, your friend asks you, your husband asks you, what was the message today? And you think, uh, I know it was good. <laughs> it was, that was good. But it goes in one ear, out the other. I want to encourage you as a church, in case you're wondering, we have a real teaching ministry in, at Live City Church. You know, you get preachers. We preach too. But rather than give you one verse and speak the whole time, we're going to unpack word upon word, precept upon precept, until the word of God is established in your life. I've been sharing with the leaders this week in, in leaders' meeting how the kings of Israel, one of the kings in particular I've been reading on, Second Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat, he, when he came into power, he came from the line of a pagan king, even though he was from the line of David. His father before him was pagan. His grandfather was pagan. But he decided, no, I will serve the living God. And the first thing he did was he sent, message, uh, he, sent, uh, he sent governors all across Israel, and he sent two priests with one purpose, to teach the word of God, to teach them the laws, because they didn't know what they were doing wrong, and they couldn't figure out why they weren't being blessed. Because the Lord wants to bless you. I want you to get this. The Lord wants to bless you. But when you don't follow in the precepts and the, and the rules... Why the rules? Not rules, actually covenant that God makes with you. He says, if you do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to bless you when you go in. I'm going to bless you when you go out. Your storehouses will be blessed. In your home, you're going to be blessed. There's not going to be any miscarriage. There'll be no infertility. You're going to be overflowing and multiplying. That's the blessing and the favor of the Lord. But what happens is we question the Lord. Why aren't you doing this for me? What's going on? And the Lord says, because you're not doing the things I asked you to do. My hands are tied, and I can't bless you. And I really feel this is the thing. When we get the word of God, write it down because it will transform. It will change your life. It also becomes a point of discussion, okay, in the church. I really want you to grab hold of these words. Let's follow with me. Bringing peace to your storm. Why am I saying this? As I was praying and I was seeking the Lord, I'm seeking out Scripture. This is, these are the verses and the passage the Lord gave me. I'll tell you why. Have a look at this. In the December issue of American Psychological Association's Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Don't write that down. I'm just barely catching up with my breath. <laughs> they said that two new meta-analytical studies involving thousands of children and college students show that anxiety has increased substantially. That means a lot since the 1950s. In fact, the studies find that anxiety has increased so much, listen to this, that typical school children, your kids, during, look at this, the 1980s, it's worse now, reported more anxiety than child psychiatric patients in the 1950s. You probably didn't grab that. Let me say it one more time. The children, the kids in the 1980s, had more anxiety than actual psychiatric patients. 
in the 1950s. Your kids now in the 2022s, how many years ago was that? 1980, 90, 90, 40 years later, it's even worse. It's multiplied. Your children should be locked up. You're probably thinking the same thing, right? Put them in the middle of the situation. These kids are messed up. But I'm saying that there is anxiety in the world today. Let me keep going. Moody Bible Institute, June 1998. The they were quoting from the Personnel Journal. And they reported this incredible statistic. Listen to this. Since the beginning of recorded history, not the beginning of time, the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of that time. Do you get that? Let me keep going. The, peri the periodical discovered that of 3,530 years of recorded history, only 286 years actually saw peace. Gets worse. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties were made and broken. I'm telling you that the world will not offer you peace. There are millions of self-help books to try and help you get better. We have technology to make your life easier. I got dishwashers and a dishwasher in my home, not the kids, not me and my wife. I'm talking about a machine. We've got a clothes washer. We've got a clothes dryer. All these things are meant to cut down your time. We buy pre-packaged foods. We've got things in jars. All I got to do is add, brown the meat, add the things in there so that you can have more time. And guess what you do with that time? You fill it up with worry. You're going around with more things. And it's like, no, no, you're supposed to be saving time so you find more peace. But no, it doesn't get better than that. You get a smartphone. The smartphone is to make anyone in your among your loved ones, so easily, immediately contactable. But what do we do? Instead of contacting them to tell them, hey, I love you, I miss you, all these things, we're talking about, oh, my life is bad, things are awful. we got social media to contact us with friends from 50 years ago. And you know what we do? We just talk about things that are troubling us. We're adding more anxiety upon more anxiety upon more trouble upon people. And you wonder why things aren't getting better. The world will tell you, turn to these other religions. Turn to these other things. Forget about those Christians. Forget about their faith. They've got nothing to offer. Well, guess what, bub? we got plenty to offer. The Word of God is so alive. This I'm telling you. Take notes. Because there are keys that will change everything about what you do if you apply it to your life. Let me tell you, we have been so worried. Not we, of course, not us. We have been so worried as the world and as Australia about the COVID that we run out of toilet paper. I still can't figure out what's with that. I mean, too, toilet paper is as valuable as gold in COVID. We should have stocked up, folks. Whole food aisles are empty because people are so scared they're hoarding food. It's just... It's not that bad, folks. It ain't that bad. We are Christians. We have hope. We have faith. Let me go deeper. I decided to figure out what causes anxiety. So Medline Plus, their website tells us anxiety isn't always, you're not always born with it. There's psychological cases. People are just born that way. They're wired that way. But no, the vast majority, it's caused by, here's a list going real quick. Just watch the recording later. Stress from work, school, personal relationships. 
is caused by emotional trauma. Something terrible happened. It's by financial concerns. How many people feel the pain? Financial concerns. You're trying to pay your rent. The money's getting tight. The rent's going up. Stress caused by chronic or serious medical conditions. Something else has happened to you. Like, oh my goodness, go back to the doctor again. A major event or performance, side effects of certain medications, alcohol consumption. You're wondering why you have trouble, drop the alcohol. Drugs such as cocaine. Let me tell you, it's messing with your head. Don't kid yourself. It's messing with your head. And this one they added in that was a bit weird. Lack of oxygen. So I say to you, just breathe, sister. Just breathe, brother. There's plenty of air out there. There's plenty. <laughs> they said that all these things are called stressors, stressors. But here's the key. Anxiety is stress that continues after the stressor is gone. You're still stressed, but there is no more stressors. It's gone. So I decided I'm going to go deeper. Is this okay? Run all right? I went deeper and I looked into Strong's Concordance. I wanted to know what does the Hebrew actually say about the word anxiety. So I looked it up. G3309. It's a Greek word, merimnao. It means to take thought. In fact, in the King James, it uses the word to take thought. It means to be troubled with cares, but I want to say to you, if you take a thought that God doesn't give you, your thought will take you. You're going for the ride of your life, and you're hanging on to this roundabout carousel. You're wondering, what is going on? Someone, I just want to get off, and I'm saying to you, let go and let God. I went deeper. I thought, okay, let me take Miram now. I'm going to go deeper. What is the root word of Miram now? G3308. It means through the idea of distraction. Anxiety is distraction. Let me go deeper. I decided to go and dig further down that word. It's from G3307. Meriso. It means, listen for it, write this down. What is anxiety? To disunite, to divide to separate into parts. In other words, to be split into factions. Your brain is being split in half. Half of your brain is in survival mode. You're trying to care for your family. You're trying to care for your kids. You're trying to care for your job. You're trying to care for the home. And the other half of your brain is worry, 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 worry. And you wonder why more stress is happening. And instead of half the brain, it's not becoming like one third over here, two thirds over there. And the cycle continues getting worse and worse until your mind is flat flooded with anxiety and eventually depression. It's in the Bible. It's not, it doesn't take brain science. Just read it. It's telling you that we are supposed to not take thought and captive those things that God doesn't give you, but take thought of the things of God. So let's break this apart. Are you ready for this? There's some two key things that I'm going to preach about this morning, okay? The first one, you guessed it, and Paul wrote about it to the church at Philippi. He says in verse 6, be anxious. It's a good thing he didn't stop there because we'd be in trouble. Be anxious for nothing. Turn to the person next to you and say, nothing. Other person, other neighbors say, nada. Nothing. So what should you be anxious about? Nada. Nothing. And yet we're anxious. 
We are so upset. Our soul is in turmoil. And Paul says, be anxious for nothing. This is what I want you to understand. The desire of the Father is that we do not live in anxiety. God hasn't created you to live in anxiety. He created you to live in a place of peace. And when Paul is writing these words, you need to understand the context. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And the church is being persecuted just for being Christians. Wait a minute, that sounds like today. Getting close. Have a look at City Point College just a week ago. We're getting persecuted, folks. Okay, at the moment, it's a soft persecution. It is verbal. It may be that you didn't get the job because they found out on Facebook. They're looking through, oh, this guy's a Christian. He's wacko. Put these verses put on there. Just make sure you lock it down to just your friends that can see you on Facebook. That'll help. But it's going to get worse. These guys were getting physical persecution. They're being killed. They're being tortured for their faith. And there is Paul's writing, be anxious about nothing. <laughs> it's like... Paul, we're dying. I mean, we are literally dying. People are rounding us up. They're finding out about us, and they're killing us. They're throwing us into vats of boiling oil. They're flaying our skin. They are crucifying us because they want to make mock us like Jesus. And then they, some of them, like Paul, uh, Peter, decided, just cruci- I, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus upright. Put me down upside down. Oh, come on. And Paul's writing to them. He's saying, be anxious about nothing. I got nothing on those early Christians, do you? Then why are your troubles greater than their troubles? Why do we carry on like pork chop and we have not figured out that the Word of God is saying to us, stop, stop. Your anxiety, stop. Easier said than done. Some of you are struggling and diagnosed with it. I know, I understand. I'm just going to teach you the principles. You do with it what you can. But the Bible is telling us, be anxious about nothing. So what's happening is the people of that day in that early church are so flustered, so scared, so worried about their lives, about their livelihood. They can't even sell because some people won't buy for them because they know they're Christians. They've got all kinds of troubles. And Paul says, don't be anxious. You see, Paul doesn't correct them. What's going to happen is it catches like a poison. That anxiety will move on to the next brother or the next sister that you've been talking to and poisoning and telling them, why aren't you worried? You should be worried more. I mean, look at the things that are happening in your life. Look at your marriage. Look at your kids. Look at your job. And so you start getting worried. And then you, both of you are talking to two other people. And then that spreads. And then four people are speaking to eight people. Eight people are speaking to 16 people. 16 go 32. You know, my, you know maths. It catches And so Paul realized, I need to put an end to this. I can't even be face-to-face, so I'm going to write a letter to them. So he reveals the heart of God in the matter, in the purpose of humanity. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. You don't have to. See, the world has to because they have no other hope. They can't call out to God. They can't find their peace. But you and me, we've got peace in the Word. The Bible tells us. 
that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's a purpose behind that. Why do you need a Prince of Peace? Because there's anxiety, there's trouble, there's hardship, and there's worry. We need someone who's a Prince of it all that can wipe it all out and bring that peace over your life. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're alive this morning. I want to tell you, I want you to get hold of this in your spirit. We were designed to live in peace. Anything else doesn't come from God. The Bible tells us that Jesus was asleep in the boat in the middle of a storm. How do you sleep in a storm? I mean, it's, this storm is so bad that sailors, six of them were sailors, professional. They knew what to do, and they realized this is really bad. The boat is going up and down and up and down. They feared that they're going to roll over and they would drown. And Jesus is asleep in that. You see, if you have peace inside of you, that peace is able to control the storm outside your life. But if there's a storm inside your life, even if there's peace around you, you're going to continue to have storm after storm after storm. And everyone's saying, but the weather's fine. It's okay. No, no, there's a storm. There's a storm. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 27. Just write the passage down. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, not Paul, Jesus, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? Is not your body more important than the clothes you wear? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They're not farming. They don't store away things in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Not the bird's heavenly Father. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Worry is interest paid on trouble due. It's not there yet, but you're already paying interest for it, because, even though it hasn't come yet. It's eating you alive. He says, be, anx- uh, be anxious about nothing, but... He begins to turn it around. Here you go, Christians. Listen in. But in everything, everyone say everything. everything. That means all of it. In every situation, in every circumstance, in every calamity, in every crisis, no matter where you find yourself, do not be anxious. A side note. This is not condoning a laissez-faire, I don't care attitude towards the responsibilities of life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about not being fixated on worrying about things. So, so Paul is writing, he says, peace can be released through prayer. That's the key point, number one. Peace can be released through prayer. And he begins to explain to us how to do it. I'm not talking about the prayers that says, thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless to my bodies in Jesus' name, amen. I'm not talking about those prayers. I'm not talking about those prayers Oh, God, help me today. Amen. I'm talking about really praying. We're supposed to be people who really pray. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. You're supposed to be praying, not one minute, not two minutes, not once a week. You're supposed to be praying all the time without ceasing. And so Paul gives us, here are the three key tools that will set you free from anxiety. Are you ready for it? Especially those of you that are struggling from anxiety. Take the notes down. Number one, yes, prayer. He says it like this. 
let your requests be made known to God. Some of you, the troubles come upon you, you're holding it in. And it's getting worse and you're still holding it in. You're not talking to God. You might be talking to your friends and there. They got no wisdom there. They can't help you. They got worldly wisdom. Go to God or find some Christian counsel. And there you are holding it in, holding it in, holding it in. And human, humans can only help you so much. But God can deliver you from trouble after trouble after trouble. Why aren't we going to him first? Why is it we are so quiet when stress comes into our life? Can I tell you what the Lord really wants you to do? He wants you to release that pent-up pain. Release that pent-up anger. Release that pent-up frustration. Not on your husband, not on your wife, not on your children. I mean, release it to God. Okay, just get this right in perspective. I'm not going to be in trouble. Pastor Paul said that. No, I didn't say that. To God. Release that heartache. Release that pressure to God. And the God of all peace will give you that peace. Hallelujah. Who taught you to pray quietly? I went to Catholic school. Even though my parents were Pentecostals at that time, I was too little. By the time I got to grade two, we were taught how to pray in Catholic school. And they just said, bow your head, just close your eyes and be silent and pray within. So that's how I thought we were supposed to pray. And lo and behold, I discovered that that is not the way that Jesus prayed. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 to 8. Now, I, I, I copy this too late, but because I like the NIV version. It's really good. Loud wails. But let me read it for you. Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 8 who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, this is how he prayed, when he had offered up prayers and supplications. Hang on a second. Isn't Paul talking about that? Prayers, supplications with thanksgiving. These are the three key things I'm going to talk about. It's here right now. Jesus did that. Prayers and supplications with vehement cries. The NIV says loud cries. Jesus was not quiet when he prayed. Some of you pray like this. Loud cries. In the in King, New King James Version, it uses the word vehement. It means showing strong feeling. It means forceful. It means passionate. It means intense, intense cries, intense tears, forceful cries, forceful tears. You're supposed to cry out and release the valve to God. Instead, yes, you take it out on your husband. Hi, hon. She's watching on live stream. You take it out on your wife. You take it out on your children. You take it out in the workplace, and God says, take it to me. Cast all your cares upon him. Throw it. Give it to him. Say, God, I don't want this. This doesn't belong to me. Take it. You take it. Your shoulders aren't wide enough for this. Some of you, like me, have got really wide shoulders. I can take a lot of pressure. I can take a lot. But everyone finally gets to the point where they can't take any more. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It wasn't that one straw. It's all the other things you've held on to. Let it go. Everyone say, let it go. Let it go. I knew you'd sing with me. <laughs> okay, the second thing Jesus says is supplication. 
It's such an old word, you probably don't know what it means. Turn, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to tell you what supplication means. Turn to the neighbor on the other side and say, go ahead. Have at it. <laughs> Whoever uses that word. Let me tell you what it means, okay? I'm going to spare you the pain, and now you're going to know from now on. Supplication means the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. Begging earnestly. God, i got to have this. God, I won't move from this place until you do something. Perhaps half the time your prayers aren't answered is because you become so nonchalant about it. You're going through the motions because you know you should pray, but you don't actually believe God's going to answer it. Did you know that a person who is, remember what we talked about, you are splitting your mind, dividing it in half. Half of it is worry, worry, worry. You've taken on that problem. The other half is trying to believe in God. The Bible calls it like this, a double-minded man. Double-minded man. The Bible actually says this. A double-minded person is unstable in all he does, in all his ways. Unstable. Can't trust them. Don't ask them for advice. If you're a leader and you're struggling with anxiety, pray. Find the peace before you counsel someone. Because a double-minded people is unstable in all he does. Let me keep going. The Bible says a double-minded man should not believe, it should not Accept that God will answer his prayer. Why? Because they're double-minded. When Jesus taught us to pray, the disciples came to him and said, Oh, man, every time you pray, Jesus, field goal. You know? Wow, touchdown. Can we learn to pray like you do? And so he teaches them. He says, What is it? So he says, Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, so they know how to pray, but then it still isn't working. So they say, Teach us a faith like you do. And this is what he says. It isn't about the amount of faith that you have. I'm going to just paraphrase. It's the lack of doubt. Because you can have, if you, as long as you have no doubt at all, even if you have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, it is mountain moving. Some of you think, oh, God, grant me more faith. God, grant me more faith. Can I invite you to pray like this? God, remove my doubt. God, remove my doubt, because that's all you need. He's good for it. Choni hameago. Sorry, Bruce, you might be able to help me with this. In English, Choni, the circle drawer, was a Jewish scholar of the first century B.C. According to the Babylonian Talmud, the people of Israel at that time and in Babylon were going through a severe famine. The drought was so bad they had no food at all, and if it lasted for another season, they would all die. All stores of food would be gone. And they were desperately in trouble. And so the Jewish leaders came to Honi and they said, please, please pray to God for us. And so Honi took his staff, six-foot staff, and he began walking out into the wilderness. Sorry if you can't see me on the, on the live stream. I'll come back this way. Walking out into the wilderness. And he took his staff and put it on the ground. And he began to make a circle around himself with that staff, just drawing, stayed in the same spot, and drew this circle. And he says, God of my fathers, you are my God. You are not a liar. But I will not move from this spot for however long it takes until you answer my prayer and the prayer and the rain comes. I will not move from this spot. According to history, they recorded that immediately it began to drizzle rain. People were shocked. 
Nachoni, he wasn't happy. He says, Father, I thank, oh, sorry, Lord back in those days, Lord, I thank you for this drizzle, but I did not ask you for a drizzle. I asked you for enough rain so that we can grow the crops, and I will not leave the circle for whatever it is that's necessary. If I have to, I will die in the circle unless you answer my prayer. And the, and the history says immediately the rain came, but this time it was torrential rain. People were starting to flee because it was flooding kind of rain. And so immediately he began to pray again. He says, Lord, I did not ask you for the torrential deluge. I did not ask you for the drizzle. I asked you for sufficient rain so that we can grow our crops. And according to history, instantly it changed. Some of you have not even bothered to draw the circle. You haven't even bothered to pray. And those of you that have, you don't actually believe that God's going to answer your prayer. Let alone stay in a circle and say, I will not leave this spot. How about this? I will, I will going to keep nagging you, God. I'm going to nag you and nag you and nag you until you give me what I'm asking for. Thank you for the three people that agree. You know, Jesus actually invites us to do that. He gives us prayer, prayer like this, our Father who art in heaven. At the end, you know what he says? He tells a story in one of them. He says, it's like a woman with an unjust judge that will not grant her the justice she needs. She's a widow. She can't fend for herself, and she's trusting in this judge. You have to grant me justice. Grant me justice against my adversary. The, according to the parable in the Bible, this woman kept doing it day and night, day and night. Grant me justice against my adversary. God, get me, grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice. She kept going and going and going. The Bible says this judge who says, I neither fear man nor do I fear God, but for the sake of this woman who's going to nag me to death, just give her what she wants wants and Jesus goes on to say and when the son of man comes will he see this kind of faith on the earth we keep thinking of people of faith are the ones that get their prayers answered immediately can I tell you that not all my prayers are answered immediately I'm going to keep going over and over and over and over even when God gave me promise Paul you're healed you're going to have a son and you'll call him David this happened in November of 2005 do you know when we actually got pregnant? It was in January 2011. Six years later, six years of praying. My daughters are here. When they were little, they were saying these prayers and actually came to me after about year four or year five. Dad, doesn't God care? Doesn't God want to give us our baby brother? Doesn't he hear our prayers? And I said to the Lord, for the sake of your children, you need to do this. I trust you. I've seen you do things, and I've also not had prayers answered, but I trust you. I know you know better. But for the sake of these girls, you need to do this. And today, my son runs around. Thank you, Lord. Prayer, supplication, just keep going and keep going and keep going. And then he says, with thanksgiving. Hang on. Hang on. You're saying, Pastor, I'm supposed to say thanks, but God hasn't even answered the prayer yet? That's what I'm saying. You are throwing the victory party now because you know how God works. Because before you began to pray, God had set in motion a series of events that would answer your request at a particular and given time that is God-ordained because it's perfect. 
See, the problem is we give up in prayer because it wasn't in our time. And so we think, oh, God didn't answer my prayer. Yes, he did. Sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer, prayer the way you want to. Does it make him less of God? He's Father God. And he promises these things, that he will listen to the prayers of his children. Wow, praise the Lord. The Bible says you do those three things. Prayer, supplication, repeatedly, 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 loud prayers. And then with thanksgiving, the Bible says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite Katie and the team to come forward as I begin to wrap up. I want to tell you, when you pray with supplication, when you pray with thanksgiving, although the prayer has not yet been answered, God releases peace. Because it says, no, I already got this. I've already answered your prayer before you actually said that because I know all things. I've already set it in motion. I'm just waiting for you to ask me. See, prayer is changing the mind of God as a human being. That's what it looks like. But in reality, God already had it in mind. He knew you were going to ask him. He's just waiting for you to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So ask, and he will give, and you will receive. Hallelujah. Second key thing today is it doesn't stop there. The Apostle Paul says, now that you've got your peace, he says, you need to keep it. Point number two, peace can be maintained through meditating on the right things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, he goes on and on and makes a list. Whatever is worthy to be praised, that is what you meditate your mind on. Can I invite you to stand to your feet as I begin to close this morning? Paul says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not getting you to do something that I haven't done before. I have been through all kinds of hardship. Twice I was stoned to death. Multiple times I was beaten. I think it was three times beaten 40 times with a whip. And yet, here was a man of peace. And he's saying, if I can do it, you can do it. Corey Ten Boom once said, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. Let me finish with one story. In some old castles are found deep wells, which are meant to supply the garrison in a time of siege. And... This aqueduct brings water from outside into the castle. Otherwise, they would be at the mercy of their enemies. So I want you to try and grab hold of this metaphor. The peace the world seeks depends on one's surrounding, the surrounding around you. But the peace that God wants to give comes from inside. Praise the Lord. 